All right, this is Mitchell Belgian and Shelley Minolacino for The Deciding Mind. We are interviewing Dr. Julie Dumas, who's doing research on postmenopausal women and the effects of aging on their cognitive capacities and processes. Is that correct? That's correct. I'm interested in how menopause affects cognition and memory and attention. Um, we use a number of different um, methods to study this. We use um, just memory testing as well as more complicated MRI assessments, and we manipulate whether or not women take estrogen and examine how that affects the brain. And you sort of had two groups uh, of women who were perimenopausal, some complaining about their memory and others not complaining about their Exa- memory? Exactly. And these women, I, I like to think of, well, yes, they are two different groups. Um, however, they're all the same with one exception. So they're, the same, they're as healthy, they're not depressed, they're not anxious, um, they're the same level of education. The only difference is that one group have cognitive complaints or subjective cognitive complaints. And what so, do they say to you? What's um, the- they might say, you know, since menopause or in the last five years, my memory just isn't as good as it used to be. I used to, at work, they used to, you know, I used to be able to do everything very quickly or better than everybody else. But now, you know, I'm not bad, but I'm just not as good as I used to be. So some women notice a change for their own person, a change for themselves compared to a few years ago. Other people might notice a change compared to their friends. Maybe they're not as good as their friends are. And then other women are completely fine and notice no differences. Uh, and do, is it also they don't remember the book they read, the movie they just saw? Exactly. That seems that may be a little bit more extreme, you know, not remembering uh-huh. a book or a whole movie. But they may re- not remember pieces of it. Um, people may not remember faces or names of people you just met. And another thing is that this happens to everyone. This happens when you're 20, you know, you don't remember someone you just met. But I think it's more of a subjective feeling. People think that these women may think that they don't, they're not as good as they used to be. There's no impairment. If you give them a memory test in a clinic, they do not perform bad. They're not any worse than the people without complaints. It's just they don't feel like themselves. They don't feel as good as they used to be maybe 10 years ago or before menopause. And do they have more, are they more likely to have uh, hot flashes and other things? Yeah, that's a good question. We are just starting to look at that, and so far the answer seems to be no. So in, in my particular sample, which is mm-hmm. not, um, just one sample, they're not more likely to have any, any more hot flashes or difficulty sleeping or nighttime, night sweats. The only difference is just this subjective complaint of, or changes in cognition. And is it noticed by their friends or by them? It's noticed by them. So that's an important distinction. Mm. When it's noticed by your friends or your loved ones, your relatives, that's actually a a bad, that's a step in the wrong direction. That's that's often called mild cognitive impairment, or which is a pre-dementia condition. So as soon as other people notice a cognitive impairment, that's sort of, that's not good. Um, So this is just subjective. It's just subjective. They, They just don't think they're as good as they used to be, yet they perform exactly the same as people without cognitive complaints. So I I thought the results of your study were very interesting. Can can you tell us more about that? Sure. In our study, so we used um, functional neuroimaging, or fMRI, and this is a brain scan to look at um, how women perform during a memory task. And so when they do a memory task during the MRI scan, and first we looked at their performance. So we said we have two groups of women, our complainers and our non-complainers, and the complainers perform exactly the same as the non-complainers. So there's no difference in performance. 
However, if we look at the brain imaging, we're able to see that the complainers had more activation than the non-complainers. So they used more parts of their brain to do the task compared to the non-complainers. And the brain is kind of like a muscle. When you exercise, blood flows to your muscles. When you do a memory task, blood flows to your brain, and we're able to measure that with the fMRI. So in this case, the complainers had more brain activation compared to non-complainers. They had to use more brain to do the task as well as the non-complainers, and we call this a compensation response. And those areas that were lighting up Mm -hmm. under the testing, are they associated with any specific process? Um, They're they're associated, in this case, with memory, and particularly called working memory. It's kind of like short-term memory. It's kind of like doing mental addition in your head or doing something kind of problem-solving just over short... crossword puzzles. um, Maybe not crossword puzzles, because you have to... Crossword puzzles, you get a clue, and you have to think back to your experience later in life. It's more like... Um, remembering a phone number, you know, rehearsing a phone number in your head, and you look up in the phone book, then you go to dial it on the phone. It's more that mm-hmm. kind of short-term memory. But the results that were interesting to me, mm-hmm. aside from mm-hmm. that, which mm-hmm. was interesting, was the predictive value of the complainers. That mm-hmm. How many years later they developed? Exactly. This is a study by Barry Reisberg and his colleagues at NYU, and they looked at um, people with cognitive complaints. They called them subjective cognitive impairment versus people without complaints. They followed them for seven years. And at over seven years, 50% of the complaint group converted to dementia or mild cognitive impairment, whereas only 15% of the non-complainers had dementia after seven years. So this, in this particular group of, of patients, there were, this presence of cognitive complaints predicted later dementia. This group was older than my group. They are an average of 10 years older. They were 67. In my study, they were, the women were 57. So they're, they're an older group. And they're men and women. So there are a few differences. But perhaps this, there's some indication that being a cognitive complainer might be predictive of something down the line. And your colleague presented uh, just Mm -hmm. after you did today talking about perhaps the role of estradiol. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could comment on that and who that... Who, you, who might be interested in that kind of thing? <laughs> Absolutely. So we have done a number of other studies looking at how estradiol in postmenopausal women influences brain functioning. By that, we mean performance on cognitive tests as well as MRI-related uh, brain functions. We've shown in a, a number of studies that estrogen, if younger postmenopausal women, is actually good for the brain. It improves performance. However, in older postmenopausal women, it's not so good. So it actually makes things worse. So there's this idea of a, it's called a critical window. There's this idea that perhaps shortly after menopause, there's a time when estrogen treatment might be beneficial to the brain. However, as women age and get farther out from menopause, maybe around age 65, if menopause occurs at age 50, as you get farther away from menopause, perhaps estrogen is not going to do good things anymore and might impair the brain actually impair the brain. I didn't realize that. Yes, and this is in our experimental um, paradigm. It's not something you normally do walking Uh down the street. But you may be familiar with the Women's Health Initiative study. It was a large study that was stopped in the I believe, 2002, because there was increased risks of breast cancer from the estrogen and progesterone in this case. And there's been a number of reanalysis of the data, and one hypothesis that's come out is that the women in that study, they were an average age of 65 years old. So those women are a lot, are, they're way past the menopause transition, and they were just taking estrogen for the first time at age 65, and perhaps that's what happened, that's why the drugs caused some negative side effects. So um, you're not saying that the hormone replacement in the older women was bad for their brain. It was bad for them in other... 
Um, well, there was in this in the WHI study, the Women's Health, Health Initiative study, they showed there was actually an increased risk of dementia in this study. So that was it caused increase in breast cancer as well as dementia and a number of other things um, that I can't recall right mm-hmm. now. And so we believe that is the case because of the older group age of the women. And I believe they've done a reanalysis of those data in terms of the cardiovascular effects, and they showed that estrogen treatment was good for when the younger half of the subjects and actually bad for the older half of the subjects, and that's in a cardiovascular system. We've looked at the brain in a different study, not related to that study, and shown that estrogen is good in the younger postmenopausal women and harmful in older postmenopausal women. So there seems to be a general, a, a similar pattern here on different body systems that around menopause, estrogen might have benefits. A number of years after menopause, it may be no more benefits and perhaps some harm. And what about perimenopause? Perimenopause, that's a very interesting question. That's a time of a lot of big hormone fluctuations as the, um, uh, as I guess, menopause is approaching. And I haven't studied that in particular, but um, there's a lot of um, hormonal instability, a lot of mood changes, and a lot of women get depression for the first time around perimenopause. And that's a very important time to be looking at. I just haven't done that, that work yet. <laughs> so the information that the estradiol, the hormone replacement mm-hmm. with just uh, we call it E2, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Might, in fact, increase the density of, of very important parts of the brain? Exactly. So Dr. Paul Newhouse and, and a colleague of mine showed that estrogen treatment for three months in healthy postmenopausal women... That's not very long. No, it? it's not very long, and there's some very interesting findings for a very short period of treatment. Um, estrogen treatment for three months in postmenopausal women compared to placebo treatment for three months, the estrogen group had some increases in gray matter density. And they had these increases occurred in areas of the brain that are important for memory and thinking and cognition. So um, it wasn't just a general effect all over the brain. It was specific in parts of the brain that are involved in cognition. So we find that very interesting. You know, that's one piece of the puzzle in terms of the, you know, where estrogen is modifying the structure of the brain. And we think we've also shown that estrogen modifies the function of the brain. So we're working on connecting those two things. So it adds perhaps a potential benefit when, when women perimenopause are trying to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. The risks are kind of out there and everybody's sort of wondering, well, are there benefits? And if right. you... If you were somebody who had some complaints of mm-hmm. complaining about your memory, and maybe if you had a family history of cognitive trouble. Yeah, so let me start off with one piece of that. So in terms of women considering uh, hormones, and I guess the state of the field now is that women should talk about their own personal risks. So whether it's right for any particular woman does depend on your health history, and you should talk to your doctor about that. However, if you have no family history of breast cancer or no increased risks of blood clots, perhaps, and you're having a lot of hot flashes, you need estrogen to manage those menopause symptoms, it seems to be there are also some benefits to cognition. You know, So I believe estrogen is mostly prescribed to manage hot flashes, and I don't think anyone is suggesting it should be used to manage cognition right now. I think the, the data are, are, are not quite in yet. <laughs> We're still working on it, but we do see some benefits. And was there any health effect of the estradiol treatments on these women in your group? In the complaint, in the complaint study, um, we are doing that right now, so we don't know the answer yet. Um, so, how, how long have they been on estradiol? Women took estradiol for three months in this study as well, and now have stopped. 
Exactly, they have stopped. Yep. So how long ago have they stopped? We started this study approximately three years ago. So it, women were in the study for a total of four months. So you know, people have been off for anywhere between two and th- uh, two and a half years. So you would want to do scans now to see if that density increases. Exactly, it would be very interesting to follow them up at a later now that they've come off the estrogen. What happened? Is that maintained or is it is it changed? Huh. And would you just this is out on a limb. What would you guess that if somebody you know had a family history, their mother had mm-hmm. early dementia, not mm-hmm. dementia, but early cognitive trouble, no, mm-hmm. no breast cancer, mm-hmm. and so they made the decision for themselves to go on mm-hmm. maybe the HRT. Mm-hmm. How long would they stay on that? I mean, that's the... That's the most important question that I don't have an exact answer to. So the question is, there's this idea of a critical window around the menopause transition. It's this idea that if you can hit the critical, take estrogen during the critical window, you'll receive the benefits to various body systems. However, if you go outside the critical window, then there might be some harm of estrogen. And that, the timeline for that, we don't know exactly. I just wanted to clarify... In your studies, you made a decision just to use estrogen, E2, and and no progesterone, and I wondered if you can tell us something about the role of progesterone in in the past and in the present. Exactly. So uh, after menopause, women will take estrogen, and most women who have a uterus will still take progesterone because estrogen builds up the uterine lining and progesterone is needed to um, prevent that. So in our studies, we, however, in terms of what these hormones are doing in the brain, we wanted to answer the simple question first is what's the effect of estrogen? So many of our studies were just looking at estrogen effects, how it affects cognition. However, for most women who are prescribed estrogen or hormone therapy by their doctors, they do take progesterone. So it's an important question to understand what progesterone does. In the Women's Health Initiative uh, study, they, half of the subjects received estrogen plus progesterone, and this type of progesterone was called medroxyprogesterone acetate, or MPA. That's a synthetic progesterone, and there's been a lot of thought that some of the negative effects of the, um, of the hormone combination were driven by the progesterone, uh, the type of progesterone in this, in this study. In terms of the... Increased breast cancer? Exactly, increased breast cancer, yes, exactly. And the dementia, too? um, The dementia, I can't recall. Increased breast cancer, certainly. So if you look at, in the WHI study, the women who had had hysterectomies, they just received estrogen alone. The women who had a uterus still had estrogen plus progesterone. And the increase in breast cancer was actually in the E plus P group, the estrogen plus progesterone group. That's where the increased breast cancer was. The increased breast cancer was not from estrogen alone. There was actually a benefit. So I believe that the progesterone is there's some indication that progesterone is the bad guy in this in this story here. Uh, uh-huh. In our particular experimental studies, we we have just completed a study looking at estrogen alone compared to estrogen plus progesterone, and we're trying to see how, how it affects the brain and performance on memory tasks, but we haven't finished looking at that data yet, so mm-hmm. it's on the way. <laughs> and I understand, clinically speaking, there are women who are going on just estrogen in, in yes. a post, early mm-hmm. postmenopausal, uh-huh. so... It's, 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 hopefully, you know, our data indicates this might be a good thing for cognition. So okay. hopefully, um, hopefully that holds up. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Thanks. Thank you. Exactly. Um, we haven't done that study. I've heard people suggest maybe 10 years, but I know I, that's a suggestion, not a, we that's don't have data. Idea, right. In a way. Yeah, I mean, yes, it is. Kind of, right, right. And I think the data. Well, our mothers, right, many of right. our mothers. Exactly. So, so how come the study wasn't structured to, so that some of these women who had the estradiol for three months weren't kept on it all this time? 
Um, we were just interested in the three-month effects. We, we had other um, pieces of the study that we were looking at, looking at the fMRI, looking at brain function. We weren't, you know, we, we, our hypotheses were just about the three-month effect. We didn't know it was going to work this way. You know, now right. that we've seen this happen, this will be the next, uh, I, the next grant that we submit, <laughs> the next idea. Well, Leslie, I have a question. As a psychiatrist, I treat some patients women who have had attention deficit, mm-hmm. but mild and they sort mm-hmm. of compensated. And then at various times in life, and actually po- postmenopausal mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. perimenopausal is a time when they really start complaining. Huh. And, and there's a book called Women and ADHD, and oh. they say one of the big differences is, I think even puberty, but definitely mm-hmm. um, menopause, ADD often gets worse for them. Huh. Well, that's very interesting. Um, one of my colleagues at the University of Vermont is an ADHD expert, and mostly she studies children, so she, oh, right. I, she doesn't have direct evidence for the, the menopause group. Um, one thing she has been interested in looking at, her name is Dr. Alexandra Potter. She's been looking at how the cholinergic system in the brain is involved in ADHD. So the cholinergic system is a neurotransmitter system in the brain. It's a chemical system in the brain. And she has shown that if you can support cholinergic system functioning, the impairments from ADHD are less. So people are less impulsive. Um, Something that I have done in my menopause research is we're actually looking at estrogen interactions with the cholinergic system. So another thing about the cholinergic system is that this is the major neurotransmitter system that changes in Alzheimer's disease. So um, this is yeah. So that is involving changes in Alzheimer's disease. People are not as this may be the cause of memory and attention impairments in Alzheimer's disease. And we're looking at how estrogen interacts with the cholinergic system. So at this time around menopause, when the estrogen levels change, perhaps this is also has a lot of downstream effects. It might be affecting other. It's obviously affecting other parts of the brain, particularly this neurotransmitter system. It might make ADHD symptoms worse. And that's just a hypothesis. I don't have any data on that, but it might be. We we are looking at how um, estrogen affects these other neurotransmitter systems in the brain as well. Very interesting. Okay. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you.